0: Um, Okay, Um, we're continuing this journey in Colossians. Uh, Last week, um, Liz spoke, and one of the things she observed was the way that the themes within the book have a tendency to kind of repeat themselves. Uh, And it does feel a little bit like uh, Paul is building an argument, um, and he kind of keeps coming back to particular things. Um, One of the things he comes back to, um, that, that is the heart of this gospel uh, and actually is the heart of what I'm going to talk about tonight um, is the significance of Jesus and in particular the fact that in Jesus God was incarnated in our human form um, and so kind of I will be talking about that again but we've gone through the arguments a lot so I'm not going to rehearse all the arguments as well. Uh, It was a long passage. You'll be relieved to hear, but I'm only really going to speak on two verses from it. Whether that guarantees brevity or not, um, I will let you be the judge. Uh, So it it begins with, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. Rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Um, and I want to begin with a quote from John Wimber. I'm a little bit disappointed that the Brays aren't here. I thought that would at least get brownie points from them quoting from John Wimber. I love the way that kind of John used these pithy phrases to sum up things that were really important. Uh, And I don't know whether anyone's heard this phrase before, but when I read the passage, it came straight back to me. Um, The way in is the way on. The way in is the way on. Uh, And it feels like that kind of line sums up that opening verse from the passage that Katie read to us. Um, So just as you received Jesus as Lord, that's the way into the Christian faith, isn't it? Receiving Jesus as Lord. Just as you received Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. Um, And that's how we continue in the Christian faith. We don't just come into faith through Jesus But kind of our faith journey is based on Jesus. The way in is the way on. Um, And if you think about it, when we come to faith, um, you know, it would—I don't think I'm generalising. It's normally through an encounter with Jesus, isn't it? It begins with Jesus. You know, you can't be a Christian without kind of making a making a decision about what you think about Jesus. and kind of for most of us that have been Christians any length of time, if we think about when we became Christians, um, we, you know, initially there is this attraction to the person of Jesus. We read about him in the Gospels, we read about the things that he said um, and the things that he did, and there is something about Jesus that captivates us and draws us in. And as we try to make sense of this person, Jesus, we're also confronted with his death and what the scriptures say about his death. That he dies in our place for our sin, for our brokenness. Um, And kind of there comes a point when we have to make a decision whether we believe he's God's son or not. And whether or not we believe what he did on the cross was for us. So that our wrong could be put right. And we could have our relationship with God restored. So we kind of, you know, faith, coming to faith is all about an encounter um, with Jesus. Um, but what Paul's telling us is that kind of Jesus, is, Jesus and his death isn't just about becoming a Christian. It's at the heart of how we live the Christian life too. Um, the problem for most of us is... That actually, kind of, we are we are we are kind of frequently dissatisfied. Kind of, we you know, we come to faith through Jesus, but kind of there is a, there is a tendency to look for something more or to start putting our trust um, in other things. And for Christian people, I think this was true in Colossa. Kind of, there's there's examples here that speak of it. It seems to me there can be two things that we are prone to want to kind of substitute um, for Jesus, um, and um, kind of kind of make add-ons, things that kind of become necessary for us. We, you know, we we we, you know, instead of trusting on the fact that Jesus has done everything for us to have a relationship with God, we start to put the emphasis on other things. Um, and kind of to sum one of them up, I would say it's about religion. Um, you know, we can make our religious kind of observance as Christians kind of the thing that matters. Uh, and we can judge whether we're doing well as a Christian or not by the religious things we do. Um, you know, did I have my quiet time every day this week? how often have i read the bible you know, how what is my prayer life like am i seeing my prayers answered and kind of if we've if we've not had our our, our yeah you know, time with god it's very easy for us to get laden with guilt to feel like we're not good enough as a christian um actually kind of we don't you know it's what we do as a christian it's not about what we do it's about what jesus has done it's not you know there's nothing we can add to what he's done um, kind of, it can be about religious activity in other ways. In some traditions, you know, we have communion tonight. We're going to break bread together. In some traditions, you know, um, I, I can remember in, in placement churches hearing people that were really hung up over having not received communion. You know, and communion is meant to bring us into contact with Jesus, but sometimes it's like communion becomes the big thing. And now that may not be our tradition, and that may not be our particular hang-up. Um, but actually, kind of within our tradition, maybe it's kind of the latest worship band, or the latest worship songs, or the latest kind of experience in that. And somehow we kind of, we kind of think we need that, you know, it, for our Christian life to have meaning. And we're kind of always looking for it, you know, to find that something better somewhere. Um, Paul says not by religion. Don't let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink with regard to a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. These things don't matter. It's not religion that matters. The other thing, and it is closely related, is kind of, you know, what we do. Um, kind of, we know that um, kind of our salvation is based on what Jesus did on the cross. But, you know, I don't know about you, it seems to me that kind of Christians can, be, can easily be prone to kind of legalism. I don't necessarily mean keeping, you know, the Ten Commandments or a set of rules. But we can easily be caught up in a sense of duty, in a sense of ought to. I really ought to be doing this. I'm not doing enough. Um, um, and again, the guilt starts to come in. And we don't kind of feel, we don't feel good enough, so we pull back from God. Um, and it becomes about what we do. I think that religions based on rules have an inherent attraction, actually. Um, you know, Islam, you know, say your prayers so many times a day, um, fast during Ramadan, um um, go on p- pilgrimage at least once in your life to a ah, hajj, um, kind of go to the mosque on a Friday. It's like if you can tick off all of these boxes, then you're okay. Um, and actually, kind of there's something comforting or that's quite secure about that way of doing faith. Um, and we may not kind of go that whole route, but often, kind of, we gauge kind of how we, how we are as Christians on the basis of what we're doing. And frequently, we kind of we stop depending on what Jesus did and we start to depend on other things. Um, kind of, if we were to look into a wider context, and I suspect this may well be an issue for some of us in church because we do kind of muddle up stuff. We kind of take the God stuff from the Bible, and at times, we pick up all sorts of stuff from other places. But I think it's a particular issue in the world in which we live that kind of people are looking for meaning in so many different places. We were having, we went out for dinner last night and we had some interesting discussions over dinner, didn't we? Perhaps I won't share all of those discussions over dinner with everyone because some of them were a little bit on the risque side, shall we say. But kind of, um, now you're intrigued, aren't you? Uh, now, now everyone's feeling a bit cheated now. I've kind of da- dangled that there for you, haven't I? You know. But one of the, I was picking up, I was picking on Karis and Joe's brains in particular about, you know, kind of, you know, what are the things that grab people? You know. And kind of one of Karis' comments was, she's amazed by how many of her peers have gone to things like seances or spiritualism in terms of trying to find answers or contact with people that they've lost. There's that kind of looking for something to kind of give meaning in life or security in life. Kind of equally things like tarot, kind of horoscopes, um, kind of there's so many. I mean, I I, I was kind of amazed by that book you quoted last week. You know, there's some really weird stuff that people get into, isn't there? And people get kind of caught up on this stuff. But, you know, sometimes Christians get caught up on it, too, you know. Um, I remember a few years ago, and I'm so glad we didn't get sucked into it, the Lakeland revival in, um, in, uh, in America, where so many people were meant to be being healed. And, you know, whether God good, did good stuff through it or not, I don't know. But the whole thing came tumbling down when the evangelist at the center of it was found to be having an affair with his secretary, which kind of isn't probably what you're meant to do. Um, but kind of part of what drove him was what he claimed to be a relationship with a special angel. There was this angel called Christine. that kind of, And you're, you're thinking, there's all these Christians kind of getting really excited about this. Or, I know the Bible talks about angels. But, you know, kind of angels aren't meant to take the place of Jesus. You know, when, when angels start, you know, words from angels and, and experiences of angels and stuff like that starts to take the place of Jesus. We've kind of missed the point. The way in is the way on. So Paul says, how else might we live? Not through hollow and deceptive philosophies that depend on human tradition and basic principles of this world. Kind of people are, kind of there was a Gnosticism, this kind of sense of secret knowledge and ideas that, that the Colossians were looking for. Uh, And people are still looking for that secret answer that they can find. And Paul says, no, what we need is really simple it's jesus and sometimes you know we kind of get accused of being oversimplistic in church but actually sometimes it is just actually very very simple the heart of christianity what brings us to faith and what feeds our faith is jesus he's at the heart of it and when something comes along and says you need jesus and something more then something's gone wrong so why jesus Again, what um, Paul says about Jesus is incredibly profound. And this is the other verse that I want to focus on. Um, And it's verse 9. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. So in Christ, all the fullness of the divinity dwells. Um, And I I said, you know, Paul comes back to the same arguments. Kind of It was what Liz was talking about last week, what I was talking about kind of the week before. You know, it's Paul's assertion that if we want to know what God is like, the place we go is Jesus. Earlier in in this passage, he talks about Jesus being the image of the invisible God. And I'm not going to rehearse kind of the other biblical stuff that goes all around that. We've done that in the other talks. Yeah, you know, at the heart of his argument is, yeah, you know, if we if we want to meet God, the place we meet God is in Jesus. In Jesus we find the fullness of God in bodily form. Um, so Jesus and his divinity is at the heart of Paul's message. If God dwells in Christ Why would we need anything else? Um, If what Jesus did on the cross to deal with our sin and our shame is a complete work, why would we look anywhere else? But it's what Jesus says about us that I think is more shocking and more profound. In Christ is all the fullness of the deity in bodily form. And you've been given fullness in Christ. Christ is full of God's presence. God is incarnated in Jesus. And we are full of Christ. Um, Which is just an amazing thought. In Christ, we're given fullness. Perhaps a more helpful word might be completeness. Now, I was really impressed with Liz's talk last week. Um, I love the way that Liz checked up on all the words in the dic- dictionary and gave us very precise definitions, kind of, for all the words. So I kind of thought, if Liz did that, I really must go away and look up faunus and see what faunus means. Uh, uh, and um, it's quite surprising. What do you think faunus means? It means Fall. It means full, and it gave a really good example, and I think it's a great example. What's fullness like? Well, let me tell you what physical fullness is like for me. Uh, me, Physical fullness for me is how I feel at about, because we have a late Christmas dinner, at about six o'clock on Christmas Day. It's how I feel when I've enjoyed my Christmas dinner so much that I couldn't resist going back for seconds. And when I did it, it seemed like a really, really good idea. But when I am so bloated that I resemble a beached whale, and it actually hurts to move around the house because I have eaten so much, that's what fullness is. It means that you cannot stuff one more thing in. We've been given not physical fullness, but spiritual fullness in Christ. You know, there's nothing more that we need. We're complete in Jesus, um, and that is that is just the most amazing thought. It's why we don't need anything else. It's why the way we come to faith is the way we're to continue in our faith, depending utterly on Jesus. Uh, and I said some other stuff at five, but I'm going to stop there because I don't think I need to say anymore. Because basically, Jesus does it all. Is that cool?